0: C9 means peaceful, digital, marketing, outsourcing. Passionate, fond after talent. Living and breathing your brand with everything they need to excel at making your business shine. Learn more at c9digital.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the Offshoring and Outsourcing Philippines podcast. I'm your host, Diane Grace, and our guest for this episode is the founder, CEO, and editor in chief of SEO Hacker, Sean C. Sean is putting his excellent writing skills to good use with the reliable marketing content found in their SEO Hacker blog site. They also have the SEO Hacker School, where interested individuals can learn and familiarize themselves in the world of SEO, as well as the digital marketing space. So they inform, educate, and lastly, if you or your business needs help getting noticed by search engines, they offer SEO hackers, SEO services. Suffice to say, Sean has come up with this brilliant and strategic business venture. We would like to learn more from our very interesting guests. So uh, Sean, thank you so much. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me, Dan.
1: So SEO Hacker, how did it start?
2: Well, SEO Hacker goes way back 2010. I was fresh out of college. I was doing SEO as a freelancer. And it really started from a blog that I I, uh, I created that time. I was writing about my faith. I'm a Christian. And not a lot of people were reading my stuff. So I tried to look around Google. How do I increase my readers? Because I, I, I was writing my heart out but not a lot of people were were going to my blog and Google was saying SEO. So I studied what it is, experimented on it because there wasn't really an authoritative website where you can learn everything. You have to kind of do it on your own and figure out what works and what doesn't. Some will argue that up until today, you still need to do that. But the thing is today you have a lot of resources out there already, telling you this is what is ethical, this is what's not ethical, this is what works and this doesn't anymore. So SEO is really a lot easier now to to try and learn and to start when you're just a rookie in it. Um, So I uh, had to go through the length and pain of doing all of these things. And finally, when I kind of had it all together, how to do it ethically, 100%, I started to get some inquiries from my website. I started to get referrals from some people because SEO was not a big thing here way back 2010. And I was one of the, I guess, very few people doing it. Um, uh, a year after 2011, I finally registered it as an official business. Um, and finally got my first office and hired my first in-house team. And we we really started with humble beginnings. I I was doing pretty much everything during that time.
1: Mm. So when you say pretty much everything, um, are you talking about writing?
2: uh, Yeah, writing,
1: writing link building,
2: um, Uh, on-site optimization, dealing with code, sitemaps. Well, a lot of things didn't exist back then. There was no AMP. There was no schema. Uh, Meta was relatively simple. Uh, So but these were still things that i had to deal with per client and had a handful of clients during that time so i was working crazy hours and uh all the way until i needed to outsource some stuff and the problem with that is when you outsource you don't really control the delivery time and the quality of work so that that gave me a couple of uh concerns and so i knew that The direction would have to be to hire in-house, control the delivery time, and control the quality of the output.
1: Well, I have to admit, I am one of those people who really looked into your articles back then, um, (laughs) 10 years ago. Yes, especially, you know, the thing about White Hat and Black Hat SEO and stuff like that, link building. There are are so many helpful articles uh, from SEO Hacker that... uh, i couldn't explain i couldn't explain in my own uh justification how and why i chose a, a key phrase or why did i go in this direction uh, i needed i needed some source i needed content and uh to be honest i find your i find your content reliable and uh while while seo continues to evolve There are some things that are still constant, although there are many things that we don't do now, because as you said, you know, there are many tools right now that, that can help, that can help, uh, companies or, um, their websites become SEO friendly. But back then, it's manual, right? Yeah, pretty (laughs)
2: much. You have
1: to, you have to do it, um, on your own from the sitemap, from the registration, um, the meta descriptions of your website. So, I can I can really I can really vouch that your your content is good. So Sean, from your humble beginnings, so straight out of college, can you share your story? Like what is the what was the landmark experience or what was the what was the project that prompted you to skyrocket um help SEO hacker put its name in in, in the industry?
2: I guess what really helped us was not um, specifically a project, but more of the blog, uh, I guess, you know, you sharing how you found out about the blog, how helpful it was for you. I think that was also similar experiences to a lot of other people who was employed, um, during that time who were employed. And so they would tell their marketing manager or their CEO that, Hey, you know what, we need SEO. And I know this, this guy writing the SEO hacker blog. Uh, so it's really the blog, not a sim- single project that I did with a client that was able to catapult SEO Hacker to the branding that it has now. I told myself when I was starting out, I did not want to compete uh, with the vicious cycle of competitive pricing and giving discounts and stuff because that's just not going to work, um, especially in the services industry where you only have one body and you only have 24 hours a day. You cannot scale via volume. It's very difficult to do it like that. So I said, I need to have a good profit margin, but in exchange, I would need to promise very, very high quality results. And I need to promise that I will be doing it ethically because no big company uh, would want their website penalized. That's both shameful and unprofitable. So I tried to figure out on my own how to do it right. And finally, when I have the roadmap pretty much intact to do it, white hat, uh, completely white hat, I was able to apply to the SEO IQ blog. And as you know, the blog right now is ranking for uh very competitive keywords in the SEO industry, such as SEO Philippines, um, which we rank number one for, for quite some time now. Um, and SEO services and SEO companies, SEO agency, we are visible in those keywords. And pretty much the only company I think that's consistent across the board in terms of ranking, you know, first to fifth place. So we, that one's very important for me because I want my clients to see that I practice what I preach and I do believe in what I sell in, in the depth of my faith in, in what I sell is very, very deep that I practice it myself. And I prioritize my website in terms of the keywords I need to rank for.
1: Okay, just curious, Sean, it's just that hacker, hack, um, the word itself, it's, it, it has this kind of negative connotation. Uh, what made you decide to uh, name your brand or your company SEO Hacker?
2: Well, when, when a lot of people ask me that, actually, uh, when I was starting, I really did not think that SEO Hacker would become a company because SEO Hacker started out as a blog it's an online journal where i was just writing everything that i was learning about seo and since the brand stuck because the branding of the blog was growing that's what i used as the company name um the word hacker i know has the notorious connotation and it's the most the the more popular one but the other definition of hacking which i prefer is someone who likes to improve code or you know who likes to improve in general so that's the con- that's the definition that I believe I apply with uh, in terms of SEO hacker. So SEO hacker actually makes sense when you when the definition is uh, phrased that way, meaning someone who likes to keep on improving SEO um, and the the advantage that I didn't see during that time was whenever I would present to a potential client, they would never forget us because we're pretty much the only company. That sounds a little bit scary.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, that is true. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of clients, Sean, um, can you can you share what kind of clientele do you have uh, and where where are they located? Uh, all over the world.
2: Um, most of my clients are local because I like dealing face to face, and um, I like local clients because they tend to stick around for a very long time. And as we know, SEO. It's a long game. It's not a game of, you know, um, just a couple of years. It's a game where you play, you know, four or five years down the line and the payoff is in dividends because people who are searching are just, you know, uh, increasing bandwidth is getting better all over the country, at least. And in other places, people are getting born, they're growing up, they're still searching. They don't know yellow pages anymore people at home don't have yellow pages anymore google has pretty much taken over and so um it is very important now to be visible online so i have um foreign clients i've worked with singapore thailand hong kong china myanmar dubai um i've worked with canada u.s and New Zealand and Australia. If, if I remember correctly, those are the countries that I've worked with and done SEO for. Um, some companies in Australia, I've done only link building. These were during the earlier days of SEO hacker where we would allow ourselves to do projects piecemeal. Now we don't do that anymore because we want to control the outcome. We guarantee first page rankings, and we cannot guarantee anything if we're only doing one part of the big piece of the pie. It has to be a holistic approach. SEO is a holistic um, practice. And so this is why, uh, as as I mentioned earlier, I prefer dealing with local companies. Um, some clients I work with here are uh, medium to enterprise level companies, such as Mega Global, which owns Mega Sardines, Um the generics pharmacy, which is arguably the biggest, uh, generic medicine supplier here in the country. Uh, I've worked with TV five, uh, Eurotext. I worked with Toyota. I worked with, uh, Reedley international school and around A motel, prime hotel, the Vivere hotels. Uh, I've, I've worked with solaric, which is a, a solar uh, power company here in the Philippines. Uh, among, among a lot of other clients, there's, uh, I think mm-hmm. we've had like almost a hundred clients, if I'm not mistaken, through the years. And right now, the current clients that we have are around 40 something clients, I think almost 50 now
1: and growing. Wow. So Sean, you mentioned that you prefer face-to-face interactions. So where's your, uh, office located?
2: I work and live in BF Paranyake. It's, uh, it's a city that hosts the international airport here in Metro Manila. Mm.
1: Basically, you live in your office, huh? <laughs> uh,
2: no, not really. It's a seven-minute walk away. My office oh. is um, located in the third floor of a business center. I cannot uh, sleep here and uh, live here. So I, I live in a bungalow house. I was able to buy um, a few blocks down the road.
1: Mm. So location is also important since you need to live near your your office. Yeah. Um,
2: I mean the traffic here is is you know you know how bad it is um it's very bad. Uh and I guess that's a pro and a con. Uh pro is not a lot of people would want to do face-to-face business but um those who are willing to take on that hassle of going through the traffic will get more business. So I'm very much willing to brave the traffic in exchange for long-term partnership. The con is I spend most of my waking hours on the road in the car, actually. So I am used very much to working um, in transit.
1: Mm. Going back to your SEO uh, hacker blog, you pride yourself of sharing information on and sharing your experiences in SEO. As you know, other people or other experts would try to would try to keep it keep keep their secrets to themselves. They wouldn't they wouldn't want to share because that would mean more competition for them. But what is your what is your belief in that you're doing the opposite? You share what you know, and um, so what's the reason behind that?
2: Yeah. Um. So one of the things I believe in is. When you give, I know it's scary, especially when you give um, knowledge for free, but it's going to pay you back in dividends for a long period of time, because there are a lot of people who are also not willing to compete or cannot compete with you. And what they have is a choice to either get you or refer you. But what happens is whether they compete with you or not, your authority is built in their mind. Now, if they do compete with you, um, it's going to be a fierce competition because for them, you're the giant and they're the underdogs. And as we all know here in the Philippines, uh, we all love underdogs, don't we? And some, some of the underdogs are going to be, um, noisy in sharing that, you know, we're the underdogs and this is what we do. And, um, we, we love our clients better, but you can see how we handle things by the years, uh, that we've had with a client. I mean, most of my clients have been with me five years now. Uh, that's the average. So we really value our relationship with all our clients and treat them as partners. I educate them in terms of what's new, what they need more on top of SEO, because there comes a point in time when the client is really getting a lot of leads, really getting very, very good number of sales and the return on investment with us as a partner is very, very high. So they ask us, what more can we do? What more can we do? And we are able to expand the account that way. Um, another thing is, as I mentioned earlier, we rank for the toughest keywords in the country. So whenever I present, it's not uncommon for the client to ask me, why are you charging double what the other, uh, companies charging or triple even, um, and. I tell them straight ahead that you know we're we may be the most expensive SEO company in the Philippines but we also rank very high for ourselves and you can also see our portfolio of clients you check out their keywords they're ranking very high um often on the first place if you want to be like that and um you know we can do it then you know you're going to make your money back and more it's an investment but if you get those other guys who are also you know, sending to you and they're half our price and one third our price. Check out their rankings. They don't even rank at the first page. You want to get them. You're going to probably end up like them hmm. and you're not going to make your money back. You just spent a good amount of money because, you know, half our price, that's, that's some money going out. But, you know, um, if you work with us, you know, you're going to make it back and more.
1: Mm, I agree with you on that. Um, because as you said, uh, you, you, um, you do what you preach because it might be pricey now, but it's going to be an investment. And even if even if the client already um, finishes the contract, you know the benefits of having a good, solid SEO plan on the website that would uh, benefit them for years. I've seen that. I've seen that before. So you know they'll they'll definitely get their money's worth. Uh, Sean, speaking of clients, uh. Where do you usually get your clients are they are, are they usually like fresh out of your website, like seeing seeing your website from the search results or or referrals?
2: Yeah, um, well, most of our clients now come from those keywords that we rank for, so they, they look it up, they find my website, they run an audit or they send me an email, and then we set a meeting, and I usually close around seventy percent of those meetings, which is um A fairly good closing rate for me. Uh, other than from the website, I get it from referrals because again, um, I started doing SEO almost a decade ago and a lot of people know, um, that I do SEO in my circle of, uh, friends and, and, um, and family. So whenever SEO pops up in their companies or in their employments, they usually only think of just me and they, they refer me to the potential client. Um, other avenues are uh, clients who have been burned. I mean, I pitched them already, uh, but they got the cheaper SEO company. They got penalized because of the cheaper SEO company doing gray or black hat. And they go back to us and finally tell us that we want to do it right this time. So I get a good number of those clients as well.
1: Mm, okay, it's a good thing you said that because um, I, I was the next question I was going to ask is, what would you prefer? Would you prefer um, a fresh company that, that you're going to be the first one to work the SEO or, you know, um, what do you call this one? Inherit, inherit clients that already experience um, bad, bad experiences from previous um, SEO providers right. that really messed up their uh, website?
2: Um, I prefer to start with the client fresh. The reason behind that is it is not that easy to lift a penalty from Google. You will have to reason with them, show them proof that you have cleaned up the act of a certain website, and then let them know that a different SEO company is handling the client. This process takes three to six months. So it's quite a painful uh, endeavor and the client may come back to me and say hey why is nothing happening you know it's been three months already It's six months already and i need to keep on explaining to them that this is not an easy process it takes time and uh, control is in google's hands not mine we can only do what we can do Um that said we do earn from the entire six months so that's not a bad thing but after even the penalty has been lifted there is that connotation that the client is ha- is now in you know uh, Google's gray list or black list or whatever list you, you want to call it because they did some stupid things before, or it may not have been them, it may have been their SEO company, but Google considers it all the same because it's the company who hired this certain black or gray hat SEO company. So starting with a company that has not have had any penalties, that's actually a lot better for me because The work is much more appreciated. The results are faster. We do not have any magical moments with Google just because we're a part of their gray or black list. So it's more predictable when the rankings are going to go up and if it's going to stick.
0: C9 means peaceful, digital, marketing. Outsourcing. Passionate, fond after talent. Living and breathing your brand. With everything they need to excel at making your business shine. Learn more at c9digital.com. I I just recalled
1: uh, your previous answer about um you know clients asking you how come you charge so high. Um but it's the same thing as to when they're wasting their money uh paying paying other companies which you know and ends up with no result. So I, I guess you're you're able to justify your uh your cost. That's true. Um so Sean, um setting up your bus- your own business. Wait, um so it's almost 10 years now um what what can you advise our listeners on how to you know keep on going because you know being a startup is very challenging especially in the initial years but how were you able to rise above all the challenges and make a household name for yourself
2: well um a lot of people may not believe this but the most important thing for me when you're starting out any venture, where, whether it's employment, whether it's business, whether it's investments, is you have to have God in the center. Um, I'm a born-again Christian, as I mentioned earlier. And I do believe that what use, it, what use is it, being successful but miserable anyway. And I've met a lot of miserable and successful people. I mean, they're filthy rich, disgustingly rich, but... And at the end of the day, I asked them, are you happy about, you know, what you've accomplished and stuff. And these guys, these people are like, they gamble, they smoke and drink. They have mistresses, but they're filthy rich. I mean, you know, if money can buy happiness, they have all the happiness in the world, supposedly. And their answer to that is I could be happier. And I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. So I told myself, if I'm going to be Successful someday. I don't want to be on that person um, because that person is miserable. So that that's something that that needs to be in place before you start anything. Um, surviving in business is another thing. You uh, so this statistically speaking, ninety percent of all businesses fail. That means only ten percent makes it, which is not a happy statistic. So the mission is: how do you increase your chances to? 20%, 30%, 40%, um, and so on. And it takes a lot of things um, pulled together. Uh, I can summarize it to lack of perspective. A lot of people put money first over value. When they start a business, they're they become a little bit greedy in their heads and say, oh, this is going to make a lot of money when you value money first over real value that you're about to give by starting a business then it's gonna crumble value has to be the most important thing the value that you give that's why i tell my clients um why would you keep me you're not gonna keep me so i'm gonna make sure that you get your money back and more because i want to stick with you long term meaning i'm more focused on value rather than money that's how i do business Um, so the first mistake is lack of perspective. Second mistake is lack of wisdom. I do believe that wisdom does not come with age because I met some old people who are clueless, careless, and stupid, and they're old. So, um, I believe wisdom is divine. The easiest way to get it is to ask God, Hey, um, you know, just pray, uh, and ask God for wisdom. Uh, that's in the Bible that if you ask God for wisdom, he's going to give it to you. Um, but a lot of people do not have wisdom and doing business, uh, foolishly, you are bound to fail because as the startup owner and founder, you have to make decisions. You cannot not make decisions. You're the first manager and management is all about making decisions. So, uh, you have to have a lot of wisdom, uh, in, in which path is best to take. Thirdly, It is the lack of guts. Opportunity does knock only once. If it knocks again, that's another opportunity altogether. And often that is a lesser opportunity. The younger a person is with uh, more guts, the better the risks they can take. And the more risks they can take because when you're married, when you have kids, you can't risk as much anymore. So the opportunities that will come your way are going to be very, very different. And often they are exponentially lower in value. You have to, you know, venture out. If there is no venture, there's no adventure. (laughs) That's what I say. Um, And fourth is a lack of diplomacy. People underrate diplomacy, but it is a must in selling, and it is a must in keeping clients. If you are not diplomatic in your approach to a business relationship, it's not going to last. Diplomacy is all about being sensitive and being effective. Sensitive means you deal with the heart, the root. And effective means you are able to accomplish whatever it is you started to negotiate on. That's dealing with the mind, the logical, the data. If you do not have both, you will fail. And a lot of people do not deal with the heart. And a lot of people, when they talk, they offend. So some people say to a client, you know, I can't do that. When they can say instead, how do you suggest we accomplish this? You see, both things are uh, pertaining to you not being able to do it but with using the latter you are giving the other person a sense of control so it is more respectful and with the latter it is it is an open-ended question so you are actually making the other person think of a solution and if there is none then they would not ask you to do it which is your initial purpose anyway there is, I believe, a better way to say anything and everything. And you have to figure that out if you're going to be a founder and uh, a, a startup owner because uh, diplomacy, it's not a simple thing. You don't learn it just because you're alive. You have to be intentional. I've studied books about it. Um Very, very interesting stuff. And uh that's one thing that a lot of business owners do not pursue. And lastly, it's laziness. <laughs> there are times when I am lazy. I play computer games. I uh, spend time with my kids. I, I, in short, I'm not doing business. I work for, for my company. But what I figured out is successful people, successful entrepreneurs are lazy for a lot less uh, in terms of time. And they're lazy a lot rare they're a lot rarer um being lazy Uh people who are unsuccessful in business who fail in starting up a business they are lazy a lot longer and they are lazy more often so it's <laughs> the difference is one of those one form of laziness is recreation the other form is addiction and oh. if you're addicted to you know netflix and Um, just not doing work, you're addicted to computer games, you're addicted to I don't know, like other stuff, like fans. It's going to bite you back in the ass someday because one thing that we can control as entrepreneurs is the time that we work, how hard we work, how smart we work, and the time that in the length of time that we put in, in our work that is not affected by the economy, that is not affected by the market, that is not affected by your clients. So it's something that you directly control. And when you're optimizing your success rate in business, you're optimizing a 10% statistic, which is, I already mentioned earlier, it's a very sad statistic. So if you're going to optimize it, optimize it with everything you can. And if hard work is something that you completely control, then work hard, because if you don't, it's going to fail. So that's something that a lot of people also lack. And um, those five things are very, very critical. And I think that a lot of people miss out on that. This is why we have a statistic of 9 out of 10 businesses fail.
1: Wow, that was so helpful, Sean, um, sharing your business perspective. Um, let's, go, let's go on the employee side. Um, you mentioned a while back, it's about five years. The retention of your clients would be like a standard of five years. How about your employees?
2: Employee turnover rate was not good. I would like to say that it's also five years, but it's just not the same. With employees, there are very many factors, arguably more factors than clients. So some clients churn because of factors beyond me, beyond my work. And that is of budget, restructuring, um, or they're moving departments, or they have hired people in house. There's very many reasons that are beyond me with employees. It's the same, but they have more reasons. Their family's moving abroad, they're getting married, their dad died, they need a bigger income, um, their team leader offended them, I offended them, even if we are, you know, just reprimanding them, which is also a form of servant leadership, because if I don't reprimand you, how are you gonna learn? How are you gonna grow? There are so many things, and especially Philippines being one of the most, if not the most, emotional um country in terms of workforce. Uh, sensitivity. It is very tricky to handle employees here. Um, our longest employee has been with us almost three years now and that's the longest um, tenure that we've had. Arguably, these people are gold. They're very, very loyal. Um, they've helped uncover other employees who are bad eggs in which the company to suffer. Uh, so these are my lieutenants. Um, we, we can, I can also argue that we are arguably a young company. I've had a lot of hiring mistakes more than I want to remember. Um, and the main reason why I made those mistakes is because I did not take enough time in hiring the hiring process. Mm-hmm. very uh-huh.
1: critical. You yeah.
2: To really find out who the best ones are, but. As an entrepreneur with a dominant, uh, personality, I'm, uh, in the dominant, um, faction of the DISC personality test. I am always asking when, when can this be done? When can this be hired? And, um, I also did it all by myself before. As, as I mentioned, I started out just with me. So I had the mindset that I need help. I need help. And as soon as we can get it, the better. So whenever I hire just like one interview and that's it and I would hire them and that is a very poor hiring process now our hiring process is at least six steps and we ask the applicant to go home each time so we really do take our time now in adopting um uh, I call them adopted kids adopted children and I'm their adopted dad here in the company because we treat each other like family. This is their second home. This is arguably where they spend most of their waking hours outside of their house. So we it's better, I told them if we treat each other like, you know, we're adopted family, because this is arguably our our second home. So we are now very, very critical and um, careful about who we adopt in our family. And that has proven to be very, very good for us. Unfortunately, th- this new process has not been intact until last year. So we are now just seeing the fruits of being able to hire better people and more loyal people, more committed ones who see the company as somewhere they want to work long term.
1: Well, that was under the impression that, you know, your employees after a year or two when learning your methods... They want to branch out and start on their own.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, that's very, very possible. I've thought about that as well, but if you look at it from, um, the perspective of the employees here, since whenever I sell, they, they know how I sell and that's, uh, me telling the companies that, Hey, you know what? They're the most expensive, but look, here are the results. And then. Since they practice SEO, they also try to realize, oh, hmm, can I rank for, um, first place and beat SEO hacker in those keywords? I probably can't on my own. And so they throw in the towel and just, um, do <laughs> not compete with us. Plus in our contract, we do have a non-compete cost that lasts mm. a good amount of time. So they really mm. did not, um, try and, uh, start their own thing. Although arguably they can, there are some loopholes that they can exploit, but I think we also build a very good relationship with them. And I don't like burning bridges. This is why they'd rather not compete with us.
1: Well, it's good to know that you don't like to burn bridges. Uh, um, for our audience, in case, in case you're not familiar with Sean's, Sean's work, aside from being the SC, um, the CEO and founder of SEO Hacker, Sean is also um, involved in speaking engagements throughout the country. Uh, His expertise in the field has drawn the attention of business and company owners, internet marketers, event organizers, bloggers, and other people interested in um, penetrating the booming internet market in the Philippines and abroad. Uh, Sean, can you share a little bit about your um, speaking engagement?
2: Yeah, sure. So I do talks, um, All around the Philippines, uh, forgotten country. I don't charge anything. That means for churches, nonprofit organizations and schools, I don't charge anything I just, um, bring my books and ask them if they want to buy. That's how I cope with the expenses that, um, and the time lost because of the speaking engagement. Mm-hmm. But for companies here, I've spoken to companies such as Sun Life, uh, BPI, which is a, a big bank and on the owned. I sp- I've, I've spoken to Bill Nico, which is an Aboitiz company. I've spoken to a lot of um, a lot of companies already, actually, um, and they usually get me for topics for sales, uh, customer feedback, leadership. They also get me for digital transformation, digital innovation, SEO. Uh, of course, I'm I'm more known for those things. And I've spoken to a lot of expos as well. Um, it's something that I like doing. I would say it's a hobby of mine and I'm blessed to be able to actually charge for it uh, because my argument there is my time is limited and I could easily have used that time to grow my business. So it needs to be compensated if I really respect myself and if I really respect my work and time. And um, it also helped me to turn away the demand for my speaking services because there were a lot of schools and companies as well um, who were asking me if I can do talks for them. And I did not want to outright just tell them no. Um, so I asked them, uh, can you afford my speaking
1: rates?
2: (laughs) If you couldn't, then, um, we already know that it's a no-go, which is already a good, um, a a good way of turning them down. So, um, that's pretty much it, I think.
1: Mm. But before we come to a close, Sean, can you tell our listeners once again, um, how interested clients and employees um, get in touch with seo hacker.
2: So SEO hacker we're actually very very easy to get in touch with. Just send us an email using any of our websites, that's saohacker.com dot net, or you can use my personal website at org. People are asking me why didn't I get the dot com? I want you to know that it has been bought already and I couldn't buy it. I think it's a German company that,
1: bought
2: mm. it. means something to them. I don't know, but, um, so I wasn't able to buy the dot com. I'm using dot org and you can email me there. And uh, that's my personal email. It might take me a bit of time to a bit of a delay to respond to you since I get around 70, 70 to 150 emails a day. And it takes me quite a bit of time to, um, go through all of those, uh, emails which are um, maybe 70% of them are important. So um, it might just take a little bit of time for me to get back to you, but know that it, it goes to my inbox uh, personally.
1: All right. Uh, thank you, Sean, once again for joining us on the show. I know you're a very busy person.
2: Uh, thank you for having me. Um, it's, a, it's an honor.
1: Okay, I'm your host, Diane Grace, for the uh, Offshoring and Outsourcing in the Philippines podcast. And once again, we thank you, Sean, of SEO Hacker, for joining us today. This interview will be available on our website at www.offshoring.com.ph, as well as on our social media accounts, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Also, do check us out on SoundCloud, TuneIn, and iTunes. This is Diane Grace for the Offshoring and Outsourcing Philippines podcast.